Theological education should be affordable. Seminary students should not have to take out tens of thousands of dollars in student loans to train for the ministry. At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, our students pay a base of $75 per credit hour and a $375 per semester fee. For more information on how you can receive informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, check out our website, cbtseminary.org. Covenant Podcast exists to equip listeners with theological content from a 1689 Baptist perspective. We pray you find this resource edifying, faithful to Scripture, and Christ-exalting. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Covenant Podcast. Austin McCormick here with my co-host, Jimmy Johnson, and today we have the privilege to talk with Andrew and Bethany uh, over a resource called Olive with Beth. So, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, and to start our conversation, can you both tell our audience a little bit about yourselves? Yeah, so I'll start. My name is Bethany uh, Case. We're the Cases, a married couple. And I'm from Michigan. I grew up in Michigan, Southeast Michigan. And I studied linguistics. So I have a master's in linguistics from the University of North Dakota. Lived overseas in a bunch of different places, Colombia, Japan, Israel, Equatorial Guinea, random places. Uh, now we live in Mexico and we are, I'm a Hebrew teacher online as we're going to talk about here and my husband can introduce himself. Yeah. So my name is Andrew and I grew up here in Oaxaca, Mexico. I was born here to a missionary family and also a Bible translation family. So go a long way back in the, the world of Bible translation. My grandparents were also translators here in Mexico. And uh, yeah, I went to college in Texas, went to seminary in Louisville, Kentucky at Southern Seminary, and uh, then hit the mission field doing Bible translation after studying linguistics at the Canada Institute of Linguistics in British Columbia. And I went to Equatorial Guinea, which is in Central Africa, for a number of years. And now we're back working, doing Bible translation um, I'm working as a consultant, translation consultant for a few teams here in Mexico and uh, mainly Old Testament projects. So yeah, it's a little bit about me. So as Austin mentioned, we're going to be talking about a resource that you guys produce called Olive with Beth. Um, what is this resource? Why did you begin it? And what is your purpose in it? Yeah, so one of the things I learned really quickly being on the mission field in Equatorial Guinea, which is an oral culture in Africa, is that people don't learn easily from a textbook. And it's usually very difficult, like pulling teeth to get people to engage with a textbook and really internalize the information just by looking at a, a page. So this came about when I was trying to teach translators, local translators, Hebrew, because we were gearing up to do an Old Testament project in the Fung language of, of Equatorial Guinea. And I kept running into this, realizing over and over, like, this is not the way these guys learn languages, especially they're really good at learning languages. They're actually better at learning languages than most Westerners. 
because they live in multilingual contexts and they're they're constantly going back and forth between several languages. And so it's not that they're they're dumb or that they don't have the capacity to learn languages. It's just that the methodology is really clashing with their abilities. So we um, so I was I was just running into this again and again, trying to teach them with a traditional textbook, the grammar translation method, some people call it. And it was really, really hard and very limited success. So when I discovered that there was a another way, a more natural way, like teaching Hebrew as a living language, which I actually didn't even hear about during seminary, didn't even know it was an option, which is a little surprising. Uh, I, I immediately thought, okay, this is the key to helping translators around the world and oral cultures learn the biblical languages so that they have that as, you know, they have access to the tools to do better translation and not have to depend solely on the outside, on expats or consultants to do really quality work. And this is part of making Bible translation sustainable, part of part of empowering the local people to do their own theology and be um, better exegetes and go deeper into the scriptures and have a, a ballast and a shield against all of the bad theology that, that goes around and false teaching. So I immediately thought, okay, this is the key. If we, if we teach oral learners in this living way, which we call comprehensible input um, based on the, the research of Stephen Krashen, Dr. Stephen Krashen. And uh, if we do that, this, this could really revolutionize the success rate for training translators. So that was, uh, that was something I came to realize. And then I met my wife. <laughs> so that was a big key because I never got to learn that way. And I didn't have $20,000 to go to Israel and learn that way, unfortunately. And most people don't. So that, or they don't have the time um, availability or whatever to, to make that jump, you know, and move for a year or two. And so my wife had studied, she, she got to study in Israel for uh, about six months and she got to learn Hebrew this way. And so I uh, quickly wanted her to take what she had learned and give it away, you know, give, give it to others. Um, and so when we moved back to Equatorial Guinea together, uh, after we, we got married, we, uh, we started doing this with the translators there and others, some local pastors, and just saw how much more they enjoyed it, how much better they were at it. And uh, this eventually led to us wanting to do this at scale, you know, instead of just teaching a few people at a time in a classroom, Let's see if we can scale it up and teach a billion people this uh, through, you know, leveraging technology online. And so uh, this this uh, actually sort of organically blossomed out of that. We just started experimenting with videos and little by little learning how we could do this. And and here we are today. So, yeah, it's it came it was birthed out of a desire to train translators, but now it works to train kids and uh, you name it, anybody can can learn with it. So we're really thankful how God is, has guided it. It's been his idea and his leading from the beginning. So, yeah. 
So just to describe what it is, what it currently looks like, it's a series of videos that are available for free on YouTube. And they are very ordered. You need to watch them in order. Uh, and you're building your comprehension little by little with each video. So each lesson is introducing a little bit of new information and then reincorporating that in what you learned in previous lessons so that your comprehension is building little by little. So the the core of the resource is this series of videos on YouTube on the channel Aleph with Beth. And then we have also some accompanying resources, like we have transcripts of the lessons so you can read through what was said in the lesson in Hebrew we also have some accompanying grammar descriptions to say, hey, if you weren't quite sure what was going on and you want to read a little bit more detail about what was happening in this lesson, you can go read that grammar description that just is limited to what happened in that lesson. So you're not overwhelmed with lots of rules. It's just like, here's what happened in this particular video you just watched. And um, yeah, some other resources. We've also, you can listen to just the audio on the podcast if you want to get more audio comprehension. So we're just trying to build this body of resources that's helping people experience biblical Hebrew in a more natural way, utilizing not only the written and the reading, but also listening and speaking. We also have quiz videos so that we prompt you, you know, we say, what, what is this? And then you try to remember that after watching the video a couple of times, we try to remember that vocab and produce it. If you can't, that's fine, but it gives you a chance to see, oh, did I remember it? Have I internalized it yet? So that's our goal. We have a continually growing body of resources on YouTube and on our website as well, accompanying those to help people get into the language and internalize it naturally and in a fun way. Um, I didn't tell you this question, so I'm just kind of following up on what you just said. Um, uh, in the first part of this question, I want to ask, how many languages do the two of you speak or how many languages are you trying to speak? And how many languages uh, is your resource of getting others to learn Hebrew going into? Yeah, well, I'm I'm not a great language speaker. I just speak Spanish and English, and you know I understand some Portuguese and some Fang from Equatorial Guinea and stuff like that. But uh, then I studied Hebrew and Greek academically, you know, just to kind of parse and read it, but. My wife is the language genius in, in the family, so I'll let you her tell you what she knows. So I've been a language nerd for many years uh, and studied a lot of things, but as far as actually feeling really comfortable speaking, I'd say English and Spanish are my main languages. I can defend myself in Portuguese a little bit, making a lot of Spanish-related errors. I used to speak Japanese back when I was in college, but haven't used it in so long that uh, I kind of lost a lot of that. And dabbled in lots of different languages, obviously the Hebrew studies, but I don't actually speak modern Hebrew, so I wouldn't be able to easily have a conversation with an Israeli. So but yeah, just little pieces of lots of other things for fun. And following up, oh, go ahead. Yeah, your your last question there was about, you know, how, how many languages are we trying to reach? And that's mm -hmm. a great question because yeah, our, our videos are in monolingual Hebrew, and that's a key thing. We wanted to keep this open and available to every language group in the world, no matter who they are, so they can learn as a, ch a child learns its first language without a translator. You know, so uh, from day from from video one, you only hear Hebrew. You'll never hear English. You'll never hear explanations in Spanish or any other language, and so that makes these videos perfect for anyone in any culture, any language, uh, which is 
what we want. We, we, we really are prioritizing the least of these, uh, the marginalized cultures that most Hebrew grammar publishers are never going to care about. And so they'll never get anything in their language explaining the rudiments of, of Hebrew. And so we want to change that paradigm and make it so that now everyone has equal access. It's a level playing field. And who knows who the next generation of amazing scholars is going to be because we've opened that door to people in other cultures and other language groups. And also with that said, we want to get our our accompanying resources into as many languages as possible that will be helpful to people. So that's all being released under open licenses so people can translate it freely. We would love to eventually, it's all still in progress as we're writing these grammar lessons that do explain in English, have that translated into all the major languages of the world so that people can easily um, get access to that information as well in whatever language they're most comfortable with. So that's all a work in progress. We've we've had a lot of awesome volunteers from around the world say, hey, I'd love to help translate your website. I'd love to help translate the titles of your videos so that they show up in my language when I view it in my country. I'd love to help translate the grammar lessons and stuff. So little by little, the Lord's opening doors and we're seeing um, the accompanying resources getting into more languages, which is really exciting. Yeah, thank you for that. And thank you for answering my question off the cuff. Um, you kind of alluded to this in the last question that we asked you, uh, but I'll give you a more full uh, opportunity now to answer this question. How might this resource that you provide uh, provide a different learning method compared to other Hebrew resources? Yeah, like I mentioned earlier, we focus a lot more on the listening and speaking aspect than your classic Hebrew class is going to do. I mean, it's going to be really normal to walk into a class, you've got your textbook, and you're only hearing English the whole time as you talk about Hebrew, you know, and we want to avoid that. We want to experience Hebrew as though it's, you know, it's a real language. Um, because I think that a lot of Hebrew, or basically ancient language approaches, um, historically, they get people to know a lot about the language, to be able to analyze it well, which is a good skill, but then they can't really use it and they haven't really internalized it as though it's a language. It's a little bit more in, in the code section of their brain than in the language section of their brain. And so we yeah, want to, yeah, we want people to build fluency, especially reading fluency. If they're processing it like a language in which they can process the entire sentence instead of parsing word by word carefully, then they're using a different part of their brain, you know? So, um, so we're using a lot of visuals. We're, we're, we're using lots of, you're listening all the time. One major difference is that we don't start with the alphabet. You know, many Hebrew textbooks, chapter one, memorize this long list of, of symbols, right? That you've got to figure out how to read. And we start with a little bit different order. We say we're going to have spend six lessons just listening to the Hebrew words, internalizing them, connecting them with real world concepts. So that you've got that word, that sound connected in your head with the visuals that you're seeing in the video. Then we're going to start to introduce a few letters of the alphabet. And you're going to be reading words you already know. You're going to recognize what you're reading because you've heard it already. So Just like you do when you're a kid. Just like you do when you're a kid. You learn um, your mother tongue before you ever are given the alphabet. And we want to, we can't fully replicate that uh, that process because obviously we're not kids growing up anymore. 
but uh, we want to at least try to um, follow a similar, more natural pattern. You have anything to add? I think that's it. Yeah. Kind of. I mean, obviously, sorry, obviously we, we're not going to make people memorize long lists of mm -hmm. boring paradigms and we're trying to keep some humor in it as well. Um, and we're basing this on the best science. Uh, one of the things I, I try to help people understand is that seminaries often do not connect or overlap with the science of second language acquisition. Most people who teach Hebrew Greek at seminaries, they haven't studied linguistics or they haven't studied sec second language acquisition. And we're coming at this from a linguistic standpoint. We're both linguists. We both have studied this. There's lots of theories about second language acquisition. We found that the most compelling one is the theory of comprehensible input, which is basically you learn a language when you understand it. So basically, as you see and understand what is being said, that's how you learn a language. There's really, it's a very simple concept and uh, the grammar forms itself automatically. And uh, grammar, learning grammar actually doesn't help you acquire the language. It might help you understand some little details theoretically, but it doesn't actually help you acquire the language or internalize it so that you build fluency. So. Anyway, there's lots of videos by Stephen Krashen on YouTube if anybody's interested in checking his teaching out. Um, but it's a very elegant and simple solution to the problem of second language acquisition that we, we're trying to promote because most people who enter seminary have no idea what second language acquisition even is. And um, they don't even realize there are so many competing theories about how we actually learn languages. But we think this one is compelling also because it's just create, it, you know, from a creation standpoint, the way that God has made every human being to be able to learn a language this way as a kid. It's not like a difference between, you know, somebody can sing or play sports, like everybody learns a language with no exceptions. So there is some, some component, some part of how God has wired us to enable everyone to learn a language. And if we teach Hebrew right, that means everybody in the church can learn Hebrew uh, theoretically. It's it's not like oh well you're just wired to be a more academic type, or you're just wired to be a bookworm. Um, well, no, actually it's not it's not that. It's if you if you speak a language, well, God wired you to be able to learn a language too. So uh, if you learn the right way, uh, you can you can do it. It's just that. We've been teaching in a way that's so unnatural that only lends itself to nerds and bookworms for so long in seminaries that we've all we've we've all relegated Hebrew and Greek to this tiny little fragment of Christ, of Christendom of of the the real elite scholars and and nothing more, and everybody else just dismisses it as like oh that's only for the professionals that's only for the guys that uh, you know live in the library. So we're, we're trying to break people out of that paradigm by, by doing this. One more thing to add to about our approach to vocabulary acquisition, you know, your normal Hebrew course or textbook is going to have lists of vocab that you're going to need to memorize by Friday or whatever and have, have a quiz, right? And um, our approach to vocabulary is much more organic where we're going to introduce it in a concept, in a, a context, and then we're going to keep repeating it 
several times and then and then future videos is going to keep coming up again and so you're actually there's no pressure to remember it right away it's, it's fine if you don't remember it right away if you recognize it that's great you're doing it you're understanding and that means you're learning the word it's going to come eventually you might be able to even remember it out of context um, but our approach to vocabulary and grammar really the same way is not to present people with a list or with a paradigm and say now make sure you go learn this, but it's like our job as teachers in the video to make sure that information gets in your brain through what you're watching. And so it's very much more, you know, our job, our pressure to give you the input that you need versus pressure on the student to make that information enter their head. Do lots of drills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I can appreciate a lot of the things that you've said there as I've, I've gone to seminary. I'm also a graduate of Southern um, in Louisville, Kentucky, um, learned both awesome. Greek and Hebrew, and now I'm learning Latin. Um, but I can see the value of doing it this way and internalizing it. And I've memorized a lot of paradigms. So I appreciate you not having, <laughs> you not forcing people to memorize those, but built upon something that, that you said just in this last question, this idea of us all being speakers and Hebrew and, and biblical languages in general, you want to get into the hands of not just the specialist or the book nerds like Austin or I or, or anyone like us. So building off of that, what is the importance and value of learning the biblical languages and specifically Hebrew? Yeah, great question. Uh, and that's, there's, there's so much to say on this. It's uh, such an important thing. And I, I think it's, it's also hard to describe it sometimes as a silver bullet, which sometimes it, it is um, uh, portrayed as, you know, like, oh, once you learn the biblical languages, you're going to have all these amazing insights from heaven. You're just going to Every time you do your Bible study, you're going to understand like all of these things that you never understood before. And I, I guess I would like to start out by, by saying that's not the case. <laughs> it's it's not a magic potion that will give you amazing insights. Um, and it's not a shortcut to understanding <clears throat> every, understanding all, all of the problematic texts in the Bible either. Sometimes it'll make the Bible more difficult and more complicated um, because now you have a, a tool to dig even deeper and dig yourself into a bigger hole. <laughs> so I, I just want to put that out there first. Um, the, there's a lot of a lot of uh, stuff out there on the internet that really portrays Hebrew as this kind of mystical, you know, portal into all of these magical. Uh, this magical knowledge of God and stuff like that. And we're not in that camp. Uh, but one thing that Hebrew does is it forces you to be careful in your Bible reading. And it gives you insight into a culture because one, one of the best ways to learn about a culture is to learn its language. And we're all tourists. We're all modern tourists entering the ancient Near East when we read the Bible and, you know, we don't want to be looking for the nearest McDonald's. We want to be trying to find what is this culture about and not try to map it onto our own culture. And one of those things is learn the language, you know, don't start yelling at people in English, 
learn the language, and and then you'll be introduced more and more into the way those people think and live, and that'll be the key to enjoying your time in that land. And I think that's the same with Hebrew, going to the land of the Bible, living in the Old Testament. Um, that just enables you to connect with it in a deeper way and to appreciate the culture on its own terms. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's a really big one. Um, the other thing is that, uh, this, uh, there's a guy named Bitzer that said, the more a theologian detaches himself from the basic Hebrew and Greek text of the Holy scripture, the more he detaches himself from the real source or the source of real theology and real theology is the foundation of a fruitful and blessed ministry. And we all need real theology and we're all called, we're all called to our own fruitful ministry as part of the body of Christ. And so we want to help people have the tools that they need to do that well. And one of those tools is Hebrew. Uh, we believe that one of the the great things about knowing Hebrew also is that you can navigate the different translations. We have so many translations in English, and everybody's fighting about them. You know, we're like spoiled children. We have too many toys, and we're all fighting over which is the best translation, which is my tra- my translation. Uh, we could be using that energy to learn Hebrew to actually understand in reality why there are differences in these translations instead of just theorizing in our ignorance which translation is best. And that's what you see all over the the church in the West is these little petty fights over, oh, which translation do you use and which is the best and all of these things. Most of those are born out of ignorance, total ignorance of the biblical languages, which really uh, opens up a depth uh, to be able to understand why those differences are there, to appreciate them and learn from them. And uh, so, yeah, let's stop criticizing people uh, who use different translations. Let's stop criticizing other denominations and people who don't agree with our theology and use all that energy and time to learn the languages of scripture. And then, you know, in humility, outdo one another and showing honor as Roman says, uh, I, I think that would be a much better use of our, our energy. Um, Martin Luther said, it is a sin and a shame not to know our own book or to understand the speech and words of our God. It is a still greater sin and loss that we do not study the biblical languages, especially in these days when God is offering and giving us men and books and every facility and inducement to this study and desires his Bible to be an open book. And so, you know, that that's one of the motivations for me to learn Hebrew from the beginning. Uh, it was Martin Luther's example and his words. He has a lot more things to say about learning the biblical languages, but as a defense against the all of the threats that we have all around us because of the internet and other things, false teaching abounds nowadays. And that's another big part that I would say of of why we should learn Hebrew or the biblical languages in general is um, false teachers won't 
won't have as big of a, an influence in our lives. Uh, the less false teachers will be able to deceive us if more people learn the biblical languages because they, they won't have that to hold over us. Be like the Greek says this, the Hebrew says this, and we have no way to check. This is what I call the democratization of knowing God. Uh, if you if if we give this into the hands of everybody, the same sword, the same lethal sword of the spirit, with the sharpened edge of knowing the biblical languages, then I think the church is going to be a lot more dangerous when wolves try to enter, and uh, and we know that's happening all the time, right? You use a weapon when you see wolves about to devour sheep. And the knowledge of Greek and Hebrew is one of the most powerful weapons for defending people against fierce wolves. And uh, for too long, we've only had one person with that weapon in our church usually. That's a pastor, maybe a few elders or something like that. Well, what if he's gone when the wolf shows up? What if he's not around? What if he's not there while you're reading that article on the internet? Um, So... Yeah, it's, it, you know, the devil prowls around, prowls around like a roaring lion, and we've got to arm ourselves with the truth and this effort to learn the biblical languages, I think, shows the worth of God's word and helps us to treasure his truth with certainty, with more certainty. So, those are, those are a few things, I would say. Amen, and thank you for that. Um, for the next question, transitioning this conversation a little bit forward, we've talked a little bit about what is in the content of your videos and uh, even your goal and your teaching method. But what advice would you give to a first-time viewer of your content who desires to learn? Yeah, a few basic things. Uh, super important to watch the videos in order. I can't stress that enough. Um, some people jump in, they think it's like, most YouTube video channels out there where it's just kind of like, it doesn't really matter what order you watch them in. You just pick one, you learn about a topic. It's not like that. It's really important to watch our videos in order because you're not going to understand what's going on if you don't haven't seen everything that comes before because we're building so intentionally in a direction of comprehension. So um, be sure that you bookmark the playlist that has everything arranged in the right order so you can easily follow it. Stuff sprinkled in there that doesn't always have a number. So that would be really important. Another big thing, uh, and we have several videos too on our um, on our channel. There's a seven tips for how to learn the biblical languages video that might be helpful. Uh, we just recently released a video, how to use our videos to learn Hebrew, which has more details about how to find all the resources and everything. Um, but it's really important, I think, especially for people who are used to learning only from a textbook and you know, people who haven't necessarily experienced what it's like to learn a language. They don't remember learning their first language and they've only studied languages through textbooks. It's really important to kind of let go of some of the control that you might feel and uh, you might feel like you need. You might be watching our videos and going, but I don't understand exactly. I need you to tell me in English what it means. Tell me in English. If I just knew in English, I would feel confident. And it's really important, I think, to let go of that need for control from the start. You know, there's going to be a little bit of ambiguity, but trust the process. Allow your brain to process the information to see it in different contexts you can't maybe get the exact handle on the word the first time you see it but it's going to become more clear with time so just like i said trust the process let your brain 
uh, do its internalization work and don't run to find the answer right away. Now, if, if a few weeks have gone by and you're still mystified, okay, look it up. <laughs> but don't start with, I have to know the rule now, um, because I think that you're going to short circuit the natural process of your brain learning. So that's a big one. I think speaking to people in the West who maybe come at it from a more of a seminary perspective or Hebrew Bible school, Hebrew class perspective, just learn to let go a little bit and enjoy the process and let your brain do the work. And you can clarify later if you need to, but don't don't feel like you need all the clarification at the beginning because that's really not how language learning works naturally when you're in a new context. And I would just add, make sure you check our website out, freehebrew.online. That's important to, you know, just understand like what, what we're about. There's lots of information. We've tried to answer, you know, preempt all the questions that people may have, you know, teach people about comprehensible input, our methodology, you know, why do we give stuff away for free? It's another important thing I, I want people to understand. Uh, for a long time, Hebrew and Greek has just been kind of a cash cow for people to make some money. Uh, once they have this, you know, elitist knowledge, they <laughs> then they're like, oh, I can sell this instead of give it away. And uh, we want to change that paradigm because for too long, the the rest of the world has just gotten the crumbs because we have this unstated agenda in the West that, you know, all of our, our good resources, we're going to sell them and we're going to sell them to the people who have money. And who has the money? Well, the people in America. And uh, are we going to sell them to people in India or Indonesia or something? Probably not because they don't have that much to spend on our resources. And so why would we bother translating them? Why would we bother even getting them over there? Etc. So, um, uh, you know, check out our website. Make sure you there's there's lots of stuff on our resource page, um, and uh, just explore that and get to know it. Freehebrew.online. Thank you for for coming on and and talking about this product that you guys have been working on and releasing videos. And do you have any final encouragements? For, for people who listen to our podcast, many of them, I suspect, I don't actually have an idea of what type of person listens to us, but um, many of them, I suspect, are pastors. So, I mean, keep that in mind. But what, what encouragements do you have as related to the subject? Well, I would encourage those who have studied Hebrew and uh, maybe struggled with it. Because I know that's the the case for a lot of people who've gone through seminary. They're just like, whew, finally it's over <laughs> and I don't have to take any more quizzes. Um, you know, we want we want Hebrew to be something that people love. And that's really part of the goal of why we've designed our resources like we we do. Our tagline is experience the joy of Hebrew. You know, we don't want to hear more stories of people going, oh, I just Hebrew kicked my butt. I couldn't handle it. You know, um, we want people to love it and enjoy it. And and we think that it's it's worthy of the attention uh, and the, the time. And and if it's done in the right way, I think it's very lovable. It's a very beautiful, lovable language. And so we'd encourage those who maybe had a bad experience with Hebrew um, or felt like, oh, I just never, never quite got, felt like I reached my goals. I felt like I was hanging on by my fingernails the whole time. Uh, give our videos a try. Even if you already know a lot of Hebrew, you might really enjoy it. You might feel like uh, it really opens up a new way of thinking about the language that you haven't 
had before because of the different methodologies that you've been exposed to. We've had a lot of people who have years of Hebrew even say, wow, your videos have really made me see it in a new light or experience it in a new way that's really enjoyable. And then to those who haven't even perhaps thought about learning Hebrew, give it a try. It's really beautiful and worth it. And I think that um, there's just something beautiful about learning the language of the Bible and, and the, the words the categories that are different than our English categories. So, um, you know, our goal is to make our method as painless as possible. So you really don't have anything to lose. They're just videos to watch. So, you know, even if you have thought in the past, maybe, oh, Hebrew's not for me. I'm not going that direction. Give it a try. You might be surprised. We've had people who also have commented saying, I was not interested in learning Hebrew at all. And now I'm addicted to your videos. <laughs> and here I am learning Hebrew. Never thought I would do this. So, um, yeah, I, our goal is that everyone would have the chance to experience the joy of Hebrew. Yeah, to add to that, a lot of people don't realize our largest user base at the moment, the biggest percentage of people that use our videos are people 50 years and older. So, if you're 50 years and older and you're listening to this, this is not too late. <laughs> There's most, You're not alone. There's a lot of people who are doing this and enjoying it, using their retirement or whatever to, to learn Hebrew for the first time or just to brush up or revive it. So uh, go for it. The other thing I'd add is, you know, make this a matter of prayer when you're learning Hebrew. Um, a lot of people forget the reason that the, you know, we're in a huge free fall decline of the biblical languages in seminaries and in churches is I honestly think is because, I mean, like I said before, the devil doesn't want all the, the sheep armed with really, really sharpened swords. Uh, he, he doesn't want that. And uh, so there, there's, there's a lot of spiritual warfare, I think going on behind this. And so make it a matter of prayer that I, I think there's, it's no accident that Hebrew and Greek have traditionally been extremely discouraging to people as they learn it. And so, you know, make a prayer card, pray about it every day. Um, maybe you might need to fast, but yeah, don't forget about that aspect and treat it like a spiritual discipline. The other thing I would say is don't think that Hebrew is something you can learn in a couple of years, or if you just do an intensive or whatever, like you have to think about a language as a lifetime marathon, not as a sprint. And, and I think our seminaries have done a poor job often in, you know, giving us the impression that, oh, okay, you take two years and then you're done. They haven't uh, given us this mentality, like you are just basically at the starting line and then you need to keep running for like 20, 50 more years. And then you might be able to read the Psalms well, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's, that's just common sense. You know, you don't, once once you've had two years of of English as a kid, uh, you don't you, you don't go and read Shakespeare. Nobody can do that. And so why would you think in in a, a second language you'd be able to do that? You know, and and the Psalms and the and Isaiah are as, at least as difficult as Shakespeare. <laughs> so, I mean, just just keep that in mind. Like you're not going to immediately in in a couple years just be able to read you know for your devotions fluently Isaiah or Ezekiel without using a lexicon or something. It's, it's going to take time and that's okay. Um, just, you know, if, if we all, we, we all know that we don't arrive at perfect spiritual maturity within two years as Christians. So why would we think I mean, we can do that with a language either? 
Um, it's, it's something we all just need to embrace as the church and say, hey, we're going to make this a lifetime endeavor together and encourage each other and go for it. So, yeah. We have been talking with both Andrew and Bethany from Olive with Beth. Um, thank you for coming on the podcast with us. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, we wish you grace and peace. For additional content, check out our blog ministry at covenantconfessions.com. Also, keep up with our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Next, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Lastly, thank you for listening to the Covenant Podcast. Grace and peace to you.